Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we are revisiting a topic that we discussed last week in a video that we did called Games Journalism, Clicks, and Conformity, in which we discussed an article that was put up in Russia today by author Sophia Narwitz that was called, If You Are a Conservative, You Have No Chance. Games Journalism Insider Outs Click that runs industry like private domain. And in that video that we did last week, we were very careful to try to really address all sides of this issue about whether there is a secret cabal, whether there's a click, what it means to conform, what it means to have someone have outside pressure on you, just based on the realities of the working environment in which you find yourself. And I think we did a good job. I think we had a good conversation. There were a lot of comments to that video that really grappled with some of the things we were trying to address that called me to task on a few things that maybe made a few claims about myself that are unwarranted. But ultimately, I think it was a productive discussion. And I think there's been a lot of productive discussions about that article and about what it means with respects to games journalism and ultimately a lot of industries, a lot of the places that we find ourselves in in this new social media environment, in this environment that is now so kind of beholden to the age of the influencer and what kind of projection you put out there as a person on social media and elsewhere, that I think it's a conversation worth having. And so I wanted to revisit it because there was a blog post put up yesterday. Now, before I get there, before I go back to that post that you saw open this video, I do want to say I have a little bit of trepidation here, right? I think we did a good job having that conversation, and I don't really want to beat a dead horse on these various things. And I'm reminded of what the great J.J. Abrams, and I'm sorry, I can't even, I can't even get past that. You know, J.J., the director, the writer, said about his interaction with Star Wars and The Force Awakens. He said, hey, I feel like we managed to introduce these new characters in The Force Awakens and continue a story in a way that I thought had heart and humanity and humor and surprise. Though, of course, I'm aware that there are critics of that movie. It felt to me like we dodged a bullet. If you're familiar with Star Wars and you know virtual legality, this is kind of the one of the topics that we discuss a lot is the Disney sequel trilogy and things along those lines. But whenever I was thinking about kind of revisiting something that I thought went well uh, and addressing it from another standpoint, I, I remind myself of this quote from J.J. Abrams who said, when I was asked to do episode nine, to ask to have that happen again, I felt a little bit like I was playing with fire. And hey, I can't relate to everything J.J. Abrams has ever done, either with the brands that I love or with other brands, but I can relate to that notion. Feels a little bit like playing with fire. And hey, when you play with fire, what could possibly go wrong? Uh, probably nothing, right? So let's dive in. All right, so this is a blog post that's called The Games Media Click and the Fear to Speak Up. And the opening line is the important line here. It says, I am the anonymous source in Sophia Narwitz's Russia Today article about the click in the games media space. Now, as we do in virtual legality, we look at the source and say, hey, this person was anonymous when they sourced themselves to Sophia. And I do have to give the disclaimer that I have given context and background and answered questions on the various articles that Sophia Narwitz has done in the past. So I do have that relationship, but I don't think it influences anything that goes on in my videos. And she certainly hasn't given me any insight or additional information on what she has published on this matter in general. And so we have to take this article, right? It's an anonymous source of an anonymous, anonymously sourced article, now in a throwaway blog that is also anonymous. And so we've got essentially three levels of anonymity here. This person doesn't actually have to be the person that is the one that sourced the information for Sophia, but it seems like a strange thing to pretend to be. 
So we are going to read this with a grain of salt, as we do in virtual legality, but on the understanding that in all likelihood, this probably is that person because there isn't, at least on its outside face, a lot to be gained from faking being this person. And certainly what they say here lines up with what we saw in Ms. Narwitz's previous article. So with all that kind of taken into consideration with the notions that we can't know whether this person either is involved in the game industry, has the website connections that they say, or is even the same person that Ms. Narwitz wound up quoting, I think there is still usefulness to continue this conversation with what is raised in this blog post. And this only went up, I think, like 18 hours ago. So it's pretty brand new. I haven't seen anybody discussing it online yet. So let's dive in. I have been writing and creating content about video games for more than a decade. I am continuing to keep my identity unrevealed, for not just fear of losing opportunities in the industry, but because of the current state of social media affairs and that I believe I will be targeted for speaking out against some issues that I see in the games media industry. Okay, that's exactly what we talked about in our previous video, right? That there is a certain sense of conformity that we would have generally ascribed to things like a workplace office environment. I use the kind of long form metaphor of the jobs that I've had in Ann Arbor, Michigan, where everybody's a Michigan fan, but occasionally someone's a Notre Dame fan, someone's an Ohio State fan, and they have to hide their bobblehead. They have to take that bobblehead that they would otherwise proudly display with their little leprechaun, and they put it in their drawer because they don't want to just kind of have those interactions, those confrontations, even if they're well-intended, even if they're well-meaning, even if they're somewhat jokey, because it's just not how they want to behave. A lot of people don't want to be ostracized in that way, and who can blame them? And when you expand that notion, you when, when you expand that metaphor to social media and now having those kinds of thoughts and processes out on Twitter, hey, it's not just politics. As a matter of fact, I think this article, the article that Ms. Narwitz did, somewhat hurts kind of the basic premise of what this insider is trying to say in that diversity of thought is important by tying it specifically just to politics. Right. I think diversity of thought is important, period. If you want to have good critical examination of art forms, and I will never, ever suggest that video games aren't an art form or that they can't be, at least at their highest level. If you want to have those good critiques, you need folks that come from different trains of thought. That's how you get a really good critique, a really good understanding of what a piece of art is trying to do. So I am a big advocate of that diversity of thought. But I don't know that it needs to be tied specifically to right wing or left wing or SJW or progressive or socialist or capitalist or what have you. Those are all big buckets and big tent things. And Democrats don't all agree on Democrat things and Republicans don't agree on all Republican things. And whatever party you might find yourself in internationally, I'm sure that party you don't agree with, even if you're a member of it, on every single plank of their platform. That's really the big illusion, the big lie of working in modern politics, right, is that these parties represent you completely and they use that polarization to essentially have you advocate for planks that maybe you don't support that much. And I really think it's a bad thing to bifurcate, to isolate, to really just identify people solely on whether they're red or blue or donkey or elephant or what have you. But diversity of thought, that's important. And so I do think, hey, we could have this conversation, we could have this framework, not necessarily divided amongst who believes that tax policy is too progressive or not progressive enough, but just based on the premise that, hey, when I played Resident Evil 2, I had a thought that maybe you didn't have because I have this background, I have this philosophy, I have this fundamental principle that maybe you don't share. And that doesn't make you right or you wrong or me right or me wrong. It makes it more useful for us to even have a counterpoint article where we discuss what we knew, what we understood. 
And that's the point of the previous video that I made. That's the point of this video. And I think that's the point of at least what, some of what this blog post is saying is that we can have better content. We can have better coverage. We can have better media if we are more open to those ideas. And certainly if we don't spend time being toxic and harassing those that we disagree with, that if you want to disagree with someone and you want to convince them of the rightness of your cause, acting like a monster is a very bad way to go about doing it. And hey, as a lawyer, I know plenty of monsters. You just have to ask me. I've been on plenty of conference calls where someone tries to convince you of position by deciding that to be the biggest asshole in the room is the most successful trait they can exhibit. And I'd have to tell you that's not a very successful strategy in my opinion. Let's read more on this blog post. The games media is not bad. Okay, we got one sentence further, but I want to take a side point here to say one thing we're going to see in this post is that this is a true believer kind of website operator, whoever this is in the games industry, that in general, I think would probably describe themselves on the left side of the spectrum. So one of the things you saw in social media, you saw in responses to Ms. Narwitz's article, if you're following it on social media, is this notion that this is essentially just a uh, closeted conservative that is using this as a bully whip or a cudgel to hammer away at liberals and social justice warriors or what have you. I think as we read this, you'll find that that isn't the case. And in my opinion, that really strengthens a lot of the argument for what was presented in Ms. Narwitz's article. What is presented in this blog post is, I think this person at least presents themselves as, hey, I'm actually on their side of the coin, so to speak, at least mostly. And from that perspective, I still want to have those conversations. I still want to have that diversity of thought because that openness does lead to a better product. And I'm not very comfortable with just canceling and othering and harassing folks online. And that's what it has become from certain corners of the game industry. And in all honesty, when we talk about what's a conspiracy, what's conspiracy nonsense, as our friend Mr. Jason Schreier at Kotaku might suggest, I think it's obvious that there are folks out there on Twitter and on social media that absolutely do other and cancel and whatnot. Uh, and I have been the, uh, the, the, the victim of that a couple times, not that I much care, in which they take a specific position that isn't necessarily political, isn't necessarily terribly foreign policy related, or even that important outside of the gaming sphere. And they make that an announcement that you're alt-right or what have you. I've been called all sorts of names online. And while that doesn't necessarily bother me, that doesn't necessarily shut me up. I think on the margins, there are those that say, hey, to hell with this. I'm not going to interact in this space anymore. And something of value was lost. I genuinely believe that most are good people, are passionate about what they do, respect the craft, and love interacting with their communities. Most of us do not believe gamers are bad people and do this job specifically because we know how great the video gaming community really is and want to be a part of it and bring more people into it. You know, it's a true believer, this author is. I believe games journalists basically still love gaming, even though it might not appear that way from certain corners. A loud minority of the industry, however, are using their social media profiles in increasingly toxic ways, making it uncomfortable for many, myself included, to feel connected and freely speak our minds without finding ourselves being canceled or harassed to the point we leave the platform altogether. You know, when you hear this, I think a lot of us have an intuitive understanding that that is in fact happening. And in gaming, that tends to happen from a specific political persuasion, but you can see that happen 
from the opposite political persuasion in other corners, other sectors, whether that's YouTubers that you love or specific radio hosts that you like. You can see that interaction. And I think if you take any thesis away from this blog post, we're going to get to it. We're going to read it all. But one of the theses is that people need to listen, need to understand each other. They need to stop harassing and othering and belittling because that's not a helpful way to operate as a society or as just humans. And I, of course, if you followed virtual legality, if you listen to my videos on this topic, agree wholeheartedly. Some of my best friends have completely different political persuasions from me. And we have a jolly old time arguing about them. But it doesn't mean they're less of a human being because they disagree with me on what a specific tax proposal should say. And I think it's very important to remember that when we interact with each other, especially when we do so online and anonymously. Let's be very clear here. I do not and have never supported Gamergate. I do not support the harassment of anyone, and I respect everyone's right to have an opinion and to their own beliefs. I believe in equality, representation, and diversity. Most importantly, I believe in respect for your fellow human. In response to many of the takes on the RT article, I also don't believe I'm an asshole nobody wants to work with. Apparently that was one of the things that people had said in response to the article is that the source must be an asshole that nobody wants to work with. I don't know. I'm not familiar with that. But clearly a response to that kind of defense in this post. I am not writing this piece today to drum up controversy. I am not writing this today as a dog whistle to anyone seeking to find an excuse to go on social media and harass people you disagree with. I do not support anyone that uses this piece to further their own personal agenda or vendettas against people they do not like or disagree with. Again, this, the thesis, right? People need to be human to each other, and I am not making this post so that you can use it as a weapon against your political or social enemy. I am writing this today because I want to see change. I want to see people learn to respect one another again and find kindness in a very split community. I am writing this today because this is something I wholeheartedly believe in and want to be a part of attempting to help solve. Now, there's a couple things in this paragraph, right? Gamergate is something that I won't even dip my toes into very much because, frankly, I just wasn't very familiar with how it happened, when it happened, what exactly it was about. I do know that I was on various forums and watching it happen however many years ago that was now, five or six years ago. And I think that there were legitimate conversations being had about the relationship between journalists and developers and things along those lines that ultimately regardless of how you feel about those particular arguments, did get swamped by negative elements, bad apples, very bad things. And one of the things you could say is, hey, if there's a toxic element in the community, maybe they had a part in portraying that particular movement that way. I can't speak to the truthfulness of that assertion. You can see it if you look at the blog post comments here that some people do say that that is in fact the case and that there shouldn't be assumptions about that based on essentially reporting from some of these toxic elements. I don't know that to be true. I do know that even here, you can see that there are certain assumptions about things that are in fact controlled by the thought processes that we do see prevalent in the games industry and in the games journalism industry in particular. And that should be something that we watch out for. If we assume that something like Gamergate, or if you know that term by itself is offensive to you at this point, something else that really did just talk about journalism and how it's operating and how the industry operates, if they had any good points at all, then I think we can say, hey, if that got subsumed into negative attributes, that's something that should be corrected, something that should be protected, something that should be fixed, and that we should re-examine. 
And maybe this is the jumping off point. Maybe this article from Ms. Narwitz, maybe this blog post, maybe this is the jumping off point for a new discussion on those topics, hopefully in a way that doesn't have othering, doesn't have belittling and harassment from either side. But I can't speak to whether or not that's likely to happen either, just that I very much hope that it does. Diversity of thought. In the RT article, I referred to a click in the games media space, and here's exactly what I meant by that. Now, remember, in our previous video last week, one of the things we talked about was a click not necessarily being a cabal, not being shadowy folks in robes that get instructions from a listserv and that otherwise have secret rings and secret handshakes and keep those darn conservatives out of the industry. For the most part, in my opinion, a click, at least as described in the original article, was something that was understood a kind of conformity of thought that said, hey, everybody that doesn't think X is obviously a bad person, and so we are within our rights, we are within our justifications to make them miserable and make, it, make sure that they don't want a voice in the community. And so this is a kind of version of that. Conformity is the right kind of thing that this source was thinking about, but they actually go further with direct actions. Here's how they describe it. When I referred to a clique, what I was referring to was a group of like-minded, high-profile games media members on social media that frequently use their social media status to dogpile, harass, or cancel people they disagree with through a variety of tactics. Quote tweeting and taking screenshots rather than just having a closed conversation being the main one. Inadvertent or not. When the RT article was released, I was curious what the reaction would be. I was wary of being a source because I did not want people to go out and harass anyone but to raise the question of, is there a lack of diverse thought in the mainstream media? To my surprise, and yes, there were bad actors, of course, a lot of people did in fact start asking that question. If there were any openly, nobody should feel forced to out their politics, centrist or conservative writers at mainstream outlets. I have spent the last 72 hours digging through the reactions to the article, as well as the responses to users asking that very question, and unfortunately of the many, many, there's more if you check her social profile, people that Sophia asked no one knew or dismissed the question entirely. Maybe they saw the question in bad faith, and surely some of the responses from other Twitter users were, but there were plenty of people legitimately curious whether there were any openly centrist or conservative writers in main mainstream media. Now before we get to this person's description of the responses, I think it's worthwhile to know exactly what they meant by click. It wasn't just kind of a, a more ephemeral shadow conformity, which I think is still present and I think is still kind of the main impetus behind this, but was in fact the use of social media to hound people. Now they have quote tweeting and taking screenshots as one of the primary indicia of this. I'm not sure I entirely agree just with the notion of quote tweeting and or taking screenshots being problematic in and of itself. It's like any tool, it's how you use it. And I do think there are folks in the games media and other industries, don't get me wrong, hey, journalists, political folks, legitimately political folks, that use Twitter as a bit of a weapon to either leverage their own follower base or otherwise make points and then block the person before they can respond and do all these kinds of things that I don't think are healthy. I don't think they're useful. It's very kind of high school click-ish. And so I do think that there are perfectly valid ways, without bringing politics into it at all, to just call people out and say, hey, you know, that's not a terribly productive use of your time or my time to use social media in this way to make other people feel bad, maybe to make yourself feel good, but at what cost? 
And so this specific source is aimed at that behavior particularly. Note what it isn't, right? As we suggested in our previous video, it's not a checkbox that says, oh, I'm a conservative and now you can't get a job at Kotaku or Polygon or wherever. It's not that. It's that like-minded people want to work with like-minded people and they want to make sure that that like-mindedness is the preeminent thought process for anybody that wants to get involved in their space. And I do think that that is happening. I do think you can see that every day if you have any social media interaction. I don't know that that's a big revelation for those of you that do follow games journalists, that do follow just anybody on social media, that that is the kind of thing, that snowballing effect, that use of Twitter and their follower base as leverage that does happen across industries. And I think it's well worthwhile to kind of castigate that, to say, no, that's not a great way to operate. That's not a good way to behave. And to signal that that is not a virtuous way to operate within any sphere, but especially when you have other folks that you don't know, you don't know what their proclivities are, you don't know what their true thought process is, you don't know what their weaknesses are. Uh, and so you use those social media weapons at your own peril. And we can say that's, that's not a right way to operate. That's not a right way to treat other human beings. Now to talk about responses that this person saw, Many of the responses to that inquiry about, hey, name a right word leaning or centrist person at any of these uh, websites, no answer or being blocked. As we talked about in the last video, Jason Schreier has had me blocked, not in response to this article. He had me blocked for months, months and months and months, and I couldn't even tell you why. I'm not going to out the politics of my peers, which is fair, but I think the general inquiry was about being uh, openly centrist or right leaning. Why would anyone work with a conservative? I did see a lot of that. Right. And that's the othering. That's the monster of it. Right. Obviously, those thought processes are so monstrous that we don't even have to acknowledge their existence. We don't have to treat people that hold those beliefs as human. We can treat them as less than human and we can backslap and be justified in doing so. And that's how a click is formed. That's how a click operates. And yeah, you can automatically go to the straw man. Hey, we hate Nazis. Hey, we hate all these various things. Uh, and so we can say conservatives are terrible. But I will tell you, there is a vast spectrum of liberal thought. There's a vast spectrum of conservative thought. And, you know, in all honesty, the only difference between you and another person might be on how progressive you think taxation should be at incomes over $300,000. And that's not a great reason to other somebody or to make a monster out of them. And yeah, you can take certain thoughts and say they have no place in society. But to then say, hey, all conservatives have those thoughts that have no place in society is doing a massive disservice, not only to your audience, but to your human growth, the betterment of your person, your self-actualization. And unfortunately, I do see that thought process a lot. Response four, they can go make their own outlet. There's already plenty of conservative or alt-right outlets or laughing it off or deflection. There's something very important to note here that I think people need to be aware of. The political leaning or politics in general here do not matter. What's important to note is that there was not a single person of a differing line of thought that even spoke up to say that they are a writer in this space that fit what people were asking about. I don't know about you, but I find that very significant and important to note here. The mere fact that nobody seemingly felt safe enough to speak up is what this is all about and why people are so frustrated, myself included. It's unfortunate then, when people do have legitimate concerns, that this click quickly blocks, generalizes people by calling them alt-right Nazis incels or any other number of derogatory terms. They are unwilling to even have the dialogue that maybe, just maybe, 
There's an issue in the mainstream games media when it comes to diversity of thought at these publications and that maybe people are taking things too far when in disagreement with people. Again, most of this complaint, most of this blog is mostly about tone, about treating other human beings as human beings. This is not saying you have to agree with anybody on the opposite side of the political spectrum from you. It's saying that in general, most people are well-intentioned. They might have disagreements with you about exactly what the government should do about policy X, about policy Y, or about policy Z. But when you get down to brass tacks, they're still human beings, and chances are they're not the evil monster you've ascribed to them in your head or on your social media profile. And the more we can learn that about each other, the better off we're going to be as a society. And honestly, I don't think this is too terribly revolutionary. I don't think this should be something that is so controversial that demands all of this vitriol online or elsewhere when you talk about these various things. I have been in various environments in which I have been surrounded by people that are roughly of my political persuasion and surrounded by people that are on the opposite end of my political persuasion. I would like to think that that didn't really affect either my productivity or operational ability or the way I felt about those individuals in question. That's life, right? Reasonable disagreement is the spice of life. It is fun. It is good. It is growing. And to just put those people in a box and call them monsters doesn't do a lot of good to anyone. And when you get really down a number of levels, we're not talking about immigration reform. We're not talking about culture war issues. We're not talking about financial impacts or foreign aid or even impeachment. We're talking about video games. And if anything, that should be a place where people of all stripes can come together and say, hey, you catch that latest Resident Evil 2 game? That was pretty cool. Did you see that stream of Fortnite? That was amazing at the end, wasn't it? And not get into how you feel about Kavanaugh or Trump or Warren or Sanders or anything else. Because ultimately, there should be spaces, sports, video games, movies, television, even if they have their own political message, their own art, their own intention, that we can still grapple with them, we can still enjoy them, we can still talk about them as a human species rather than people in red camps and blue camps and what have you. To be very clear again to those folk, if you are reading this, nobody is asking for an alt-right outlet. Nobody is asking for an outlet like One Angry Gamer that constantly spews hatred and consistently showcases the worst kind of people on the internet. Nobody is asking for another channel like The Quartering or other YouTube channels that consistently pick up on industry drama to oversell it and profit from it. Now, I don't know if that's true. In fact, I know it's probably not. There isn't a nobody is asking for component to One Angry Gamer and The Quartering to the extent that they're popular. People do like them of certain stripes, and you don't have to like those people that like them. You don't have to like those fandoms, and I think it's clear that this author doesn't. I am not a a subscriber or a viewer of either of those channels, so I don't actually know exactly what what they put out there, but I don't think it's accurate to say nobody is asking for those things. There are some, and I think when you've got those in existence, one of the things that other people can do, if you're on the opposite side of this discussion, you can say, hey, there are people that are asking for those things, and those people are monsters, and we hate them. And hey, I don't know, maybe one or two of them or more are monsters and are deserving of certain amounts of vitriol. I can't speak to that. What I can speak to is that the overall breadth of humanity isn't deserving of that. And one of the things that you see in argumentation, whether you're negotiating a commercial contract or having a conversation like this, is 
one of the things you can do is you can take the worst point that the other side is making, the worst person imaginable, and you make them an emblem. You make them a mascot of the point you're trying to make. Oh, yes, somebody wants more of the quartering. And so all people are the quartering fans on that side of the political spectrum. And don't we hate that? And that's not just. That's not fair. That's not reasonable. And that doesn't advance the logic of the discussion. And I think that might be the better way to frame this. But ultimately, that's what this person is trying to say, that if you are on the opposite side of the political spectrum from us, perhaps, then it doesn't necessarily make you this worst possible imaginable version of that. Nobody reasonable is asking for any of that. So to write this whole conversation off as a bunch of alt-right conservatives asking for an outlet to spew their hatred is a notion made completely in bad faith. I'm not writing this to say that there should be conservative writers at outlets. That's up for each individual outlet to decide who and how they hire people. And here's an important point. I have never personally been not offered work for my political affiliation. We talked about this at length in the prior video, but one of the things that was used to kind of wipe away even the complaints that Ms. Narwitz put in her article was this notion that said, hey, it's conspiracy theory nonsense. Nobody's asking you if you're a Republican. We're not firing people. We're not, not hiring free freelancers because you might be conservative or you might have said something on Twitter. And this person says, hey, I have never personally been not offered work for my political affiliation. That's not what this is about. This is about conformity of thought and not wanting to put that out there, feeling like it is a risk to put thought X into the social media sphere because it might come back to haunt you. Because one thing that is written in between the lines here is that a lot of the times you don't know the opportunities that you missed out on, right? Yes, they haven't gotten to the interview stage of something or pitching something and said, oh, you're a Republican. Oh, you are X, you're out. I have never personally been not offered work for my political affiliation, but hey, maybe you didn't get that call. Maybe you were never thought of as that freelancer possibility because, oh, you know, you made that commentary on something six months ago, or I just remember I filed it in my brain that you're an alt writer or something along those lines. And that's what this author is suggesting is happening. The point I am making with all of this is that a small group of people on social media are making it unwelcoming and dangerous for people to think differently within their own industry. This is not all of games media partaking in this, not even close to it. If you believe that, you are wrong. If you are reading this, you most likely know who the repeat offenders are. Believe it or not, most of the games media is a very welcoming space with lots of wonderful people who have written and created all sorts of amazing content for you to watch or read over the years. One thing I will say, you know, I spent a, some time in my video last week saying there are instances in which people have treated me poorly on Twitter and on social media and have DM'd me and Jason Schreier has blocked me and all these various things. I will also say that I completely agree with this sentence that the author of this blog post just said. I have interacted with many, many, many games journalists now at this point. We just did an article in Game Industry Biz today about leaks and things along those lines. And to a person, when interacting with me, they've all been respectful respectful of my time. They've all been respectful of the sourcing that I was giving them. Now, that's from a legal perspective, not necessarily a political one. But even in those instances where these journalists would, I think, very clearly have a different approach to certain political questions than I would, that hasn't come up. I haven't had any expressions of vitriol kind of pop into my social media feed from people that I have worked with. It's for the most part been those that I have not. 
And so I do think there are good people. There are good people in every industry. There are good people in every walk of life. And it's important to remember that, right? When you have a conversation like this, it's bad actors on both sides. It's bad actors that cause trouble for people. It's bad actors that add to that toxicity. And the best thing we can do as human beings when interacting in social media, in business or otherwise, is to remember that fact, that for the most part, human beings are on the opposite side of that table. Human beings can and do make mistakes, uh, and forgiveness is divine, and that's a helpful kind of stance to have. Sometimes that's not going to be possible. Sometimes somebody is going to be a monster. But it's really, really important to not really classify folks that way, especially if you don't know them, based solely on a random tweet that has been twisted and taken in the most negative way possible. It's the people in this clique that continually make it toxic for the rest of us who want to be able to discuss important topics but may think differently about them. Topics like unionization, how diversity in politics are implemented in games and many social issues are typically seen from one side of the conversation and anytime articles that are written that provide a counter opinion to this are met with instant hostility and dogpiling from the same people again and again. And he actually gives a disclaimer, or he or she. Since I know the above graph will be pulled out of context by the very same folk I'm talking about, no, I'm not against any of those issues being in games or talking about them, so don't bother trying to twist the narrative. And this person is right. You know, one of the instances where I got in a little trouble on Twitter was people yelling at me for talking about unionization. And I'm a lawyer, right? I talk about things like how collective bargaining works, how the National Labor Relations Board works. And I'm all in favor of people being able to self-actualize, whether that means companies deciding what their future looks like, whether that means workers deciding that their future should be collectively bargained and unionization. I gave quotes to Game Daily Biz about the Kickstarter unionization and what that meant in the future of video game development and elsewhere. But I've also said at many, many times that unionization isn't a panacea, that there are instances where it's going to work for folks and there are instances where it's not the best option, even for the line developers who may otherwise look like they're getting short shrift, that a union isn't the best position for them necessarily. And the other thing that I say in virtual legality often and on my social media is that people should be reticent from 30,000 feet up, from well afar of these people's individual circumstances to tell folks what is right for them, right? A games journalist gets a unique opportunity to see how these game developers operate and to maybe look at someone and say, hey, I would never take that job. That's awful. You had to crunch. You slept under your desk a couple nights, et cetera, et cetera. That person might have a completely different feeling about what they're giving up and why and whether or not it's acceptable to them or not. Uh, and certainly, yes, there are people that you can interview. There are people that Jason Schreier can find that are very unhappy with their circumstances and want to unionize. There are probably people that don't. Even that Kickstarter vote last week was very, very close. I think it was 43 to 37 or something along those lines. There are reasons to be in favor of a union. There are reasons to be against a union. They always vary by the specific instances of the employer, the industry, the economy, your individual circumstance, what it is that you offer to the company, X, Y, and Z. And yes, that is a nuanced conversation. Yes, that is a conversation that doesn't easily fit in 280 Twitter characters. But it doesn't mean that someone that goes out there and says it's not a panacea and we should consider these things before advocating it for an entire industry swath is an alt-writer or is something else. And yeah, I was put in that box. I think we had that conversation, I don't know, maybe last February or so, if you want to go look up my Twitter timelines. And there was a great deal of vitriol about a few things that I had to say about unionization. And ultimately, it was just what we just described, which is it's going to be a good fit for some and not a good fit for others, and it's not a panacea. 
And yeah, we got a little bit of dog piling. And that was maybe not my first instance on social media, but one of them to really note that that was a thing that was happening. And it was a bit of a surprise to me who is maybe from a little older generation and who has only really used social media to any great end for maybe the past two or three years. The authors or creators of such pieces are quickly hounded by the same group of people, quote tweeted or screenshotted to their thousands of followers, and the cycle continues again and again, beating the point home until the person either apologizes just to stop the constant harassment or gives into the pressure and decides to leave social media altogether or worse in some cases. If they decide to stay, a target is painted on their back because they have been marked for wrong things are labeled as a conservative or alt-right or an incel or a neckbeard or a misogynist or names X, Y, and Z. From there, it becomes a continuous game of passive aggressiveness where this clique of folk will hound your profile, waiting for you to say the next thing that they disagree with and start the process all over again. Not saying just these folks do this, it's certainly not the case, but there's a big difference in someone with 10,000 followers sharing something over someone with 50 or less. People don't speak their mind freely because of this small group of people for the fear of being taken out of context and then painted as a villain to their thousands and thousands of followers. These events have lasting consequences for folks both for potential opportunities and their mental well-being. The people that have responded to this RT story say there is no secret click, and they are correct. It's a click that operates out in the open for all to see, and if the RT article hasn't made it clear enough yet, people have noticed. And I think all that is basically right, right? What you see is folks like me, and I'm giving these personal anecdotes, not because I necessarily like them when we're talking about these things in virtual legality, but because I think they are useful. And I assume that if you are listening to this, you are not just following my Twitter feed and watching all the thousands of tweets that I do about Michigan football and video games and movies and whatnot, as well as law and, and some politics, to be honest. But if you haven't followed those, then you don't know about these instances because they are flash in the pan, right? Something on Twitter happens and is gone as soon as you can see it, as soon as you can think about it. And yeah, for the most part, I can look at something like that and say, oh, you're idiots. I don't believe those things. None of those names apply to me. And I can wake up the next morning confident in, in, in my own faith in self. Uh, but for a number of folks, that might not be the case. And that's a real shame because I think that's right. The ultimate thing here is not that you get shouted down a lot, but if the shouting down is successful, the person that would have been shouted down by a group like this, and it's not just limited to video games, doesn't make the next comment, doesn't have the next conversation, and the echo chamber gets smaller and smaller and smaller, and that's to all of our detriment. The click. The argument that some of these folks made this week were ironic because people have tried to make their own outlets or other counter opinions on their own platforms and are often met instantly with hostility to doing so, and thus the cycle of suppressing counter ideas continues. Some of the responses were even against talking about outing other people's politics when these same people are constantly making sure you know theirs, day in and day out. This clique of people often offer mental health advice or are even associated with mental health organizations like Take This, but again and again use their social media profiles to hound their followers onto people they disagree with, which is typically people that differ from their line of thinking politically. Media members deal with readers hounding them every day, and I fully sympathize with them. I fully sympathize with the fact that there are a lot of angry and bitter people out there making members of the media's lives absolute hell. Now, this is another thing that I agree with and something that I'm only kind of recently familiar with, right? 
I launched Hoag Law in 2016. One of the things I did in 2017 and 2018 was decide exactly how we were going to market it. And that meant a more online presence. That meant a more social media focused presence. That meant a YouTube channel, as you are listening to or watching right now. And one of the things that I hadn't expected was for a good amount of people to be interested in what I had to say, to follow me on Twitter, to follow the YouTube channel, to subscribe, to have commentary. And eight out of 10 of those probably are positive, or if not positive about the content, are at least constructive and interested in having the discussion that I'm trying to have on any given video or as a basis for any given tweet. But probably a full 20% are out to make other people's lives miserable. And I really wasn't expecting that from day one. When I started this up, a couple of those kind of hammers, those missile shots onto my Twitter stream in the early days were like, whoa, what, what did I say? What is happening? And it takes a little while to kind of get your feet under you and to realize that that is just the way of things right now. And I think it's worthwhile to say that is not the way things should be. So in this highlighted paragraph right here, yeah, I have no doubt you get up into those higher echelons, those stratosphere levels of media understanding. Hoglaw is good. We've got good growth, but we're not, you know, Kotaku or Polygon or GameSpot or IGN or what have you. So we only get kind of the, the very little bit of that that I can't even fathom some of what these people have to deal with on a daily basis. So I understand becoming embittered. I understand all of that. And I think to some extent that's not fair for them to have to deal with. But two rights don't make a wrong, and to become embittered and to fight back and to sick your followers and to click up, as this blog post suggests, that's essentially trying to make two wrongs into a right, and that's not good for anybody. I believe there's been ample harassment, threats, doxing, all of the above, and I'm not using this piece to wipe those grievances away or say you deserve any of that. I've been through it myself. But at some point, you got to look at the other side of the coin here and realize that you too are taking part in these same tactics with both your communities and many of your very own colleagues in this space. You are often victims of this type of abuse, but at the same time, you often perpetrate it. Colleagues that are here to do the same job as you, young new writers and content creators that are looking to you for inspiration on how to handle themselves in this space. They look to you for how to treat people, to doing their work ethically and to inspiring more creators to join this space and share their words and creations with the world. The way many of us currently conduct ourselves in the online space, especially social media, is consistently toxic and uninviting, that it feels extremely unwelcoming, if not openly hostile, if you dare to think differently. This isn't your industry. It's everyone's, and everybody has a right to share their thoughts, to be challenged on them, and to be shown respect all at the same time. It's sad to think that lots of potential new writers and content creators are watching what's happening in this space and not entering it because they are afraid they will say the wrong thing and find themselves being attacked by mobs of angry people led by those with influence in the industry. We have all seen this sort of thing happen time and time again. Now, I completely agree with this overall notion. I will say the games industry in general is very unique, very special in this space because it is so popular among those that are younger, that are interacting with others in an anonym, anonymous space maybe for the first time, or at least are new to it. And so I do think it is an area, a garden, that is fertile for this kind of negative interaction. And I don't know exactly how to correct that. I will say, as I said in my video yesterday when we were talking about Xbox and them having games available across generations and making these various statements, that there are two areas in which things that I've discussed in virtual reality have really brought the vitriol down on the channel. The one is Star Citizen. Star Citizen fans are, are just, they're, hey, 
they are very in favor of Star Citizen. And the second is the console war, right? I've talked about politics. I've talked about Trump and Roger Stone's sentencing and all sorts of really interesting stuff, including this kind of thing. And the highest level of vitriol that I receive on my channel or on my Twitter generally relates to video games and the console war and silly stuff. And so you are in an industry where this happens. And I think one thing that I would say you should take away from this paragraph, which I think is true, is that you should be exhibiting behaviors as a role model. And that doesn't mean it's fair to you. You shouldn't get this harassment. You shouldn't have to deal with all this stuff. Heck, Hoglaw shouldn't have to deal with all this stuff. But it's somewhat of the nature of the beast, and it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse if you model behavior that is on that negative side of the spectrum. I know it's a sacrifice. I know it's a problem. I know it doesn't seem fair. But you have to model the positive behavior to get the positive behavior in the future. That's the advocacy that I see in this post, and it's, it's a notion that I wholeheartedly agree with. The blog post finishes with this. Change. Things need to change. If you are of the mindset that every conservative person or white man is a bad person and an asshole, you need a reality check. If you think every centrist is a coward or someone that's automatically okay with the status quo, you also need a reality check. If you think every progressive thinker is an SJW or an other number of derogatory terms, you need a reality check. Do I even need to say that racism, sexism, transphobia, all of that above is bad? No, I don't think I do. I think every normal, rational person believes this, no matter what side of the coin they find themselves on. I hope, if you read this piece, you don't feel condescended to and you don't feel attacked. I hope this piece opens your eyes to how your peers are perceiving you. Peers that don't actively hate you and want to feel comfortable in speaking with you, even if we think differently about things. Peers that want to be able to write counter-opinions without being attacked or targeted for cancellation. Peers that want this part of the industry to be welcoming to everyone. It is not right that people do not feel safe in voicing their thoughts in games media unless they fit a certain line of thought. That doesn't mean people are free from consequence or having their views challenged, but the constant dogpiling attempts to deplatform and assuming guilt on the spot has to end. A journalist, critic, commentator, or content creator should not have to fear day in and out for the safety of their career for voicing their opinion or thoughts. Within reason. Come on, stay with me here. As I said earlier in the video, right, there are monsters. We can acknowledge that there are, in fact, monsters. The act of making everyone that disagrees with you into that monstrous other, that's the problem. Social media is not your platform to dole out justice as you see fit. Social media is not your platform to dictate who has a voice and who does not. Social media is not your platform to use to harass people by continually quote-tweeting and sending your followers to hound. I don't need to remind you that you will not agree with every person you meet on the internet. You're not going to like everything they have to say, and you're not free from the consequences of what you do say. But we often forget to have a discussion when there's a disagreement, instead of just assuming the worst of people on the spot, no matter who it is. I've thought a long time about writing this piece, but never found the courage to do so until now. I'm someone that loves games, loves this industry and the people within it, and want to feel comfortable working in it. The last thing I want is more drama in this space. But I also think it's past due time someone spoke up about the toxicity that currently has a hold over it online. I'm not a Nazi. I'm not a sexist, transphobic, or any of the above. I didn't write this piece or use myself as a source in the RT piece to get back at anyone or cause trouble. I think the people in what I refer to as the clique in this piece are good people, and I personally wish no ill will against them, even if I often find many of the things they do hypocritical and downright mean. I intentionally tried to keep this piece as non-confrontational as possible in hopes of opening a dialogue up over just more toxicity. 
I hope folks don't take this piece in bad faith. I truly just want some things to change, and that's going to take a lot of us looking inward and thinking about how we can better present ourselves in this online space we all share together. Don't use this piece as an excuse to air your grievances with the folks mentioned in this piece. The only way we make this change is by working together and being open and willing to listen to one another. And I don't think that there's anything a rational person can disagree with on this. You can disagree with the overall notions about exactly how much monster lives on the right side or the left side of the political spectrum. But I will say this. If you assume that it's a majority, if you assume that everybody that disagrees you on policy X or policy Y, if they disagree, it might be because they have their own philosophy, their own fundamental belief system, and it might not be because they believe everybody else is beneath them, that they have any of these traits or characteristics that you find so negative or so wanting. It might just be because they've thought about the issue as hard as you have and they've come to a different conclusion doesn't mean you have to agree with them. doesn't even mean you have to like them. It means that step one of love and respect, of being open and understanding, of acknowledging everyone is a part of the social media space, yes, but also of this planet Earth, is acknowledging their inherent humanity. And that means, yeah, don't belittle others. Try to understand where they're coming from. And if you want to disconnect, that's fair. Some people really do have beliefs that are essentially unrational, unwarranted and that you can't accept. But to take that notion to its nth degree, to assume that everybody that is against you is an alien enemy other beneath human contempt is a way that we wind up with the politicization and the polarization that we see, not just in the games industry, but in a number of walks of our lives. So I do think this is an important piece. I do think it was important for Ms. Narwitz to put up the piece that she did in R RT, Russia Today. And I think it's a good conversation to be had. Let's not let it just become a conversation about politics. Let's not let it be taken over by whether or not you think Trump or Sanders or anyone else should win the U.S. political election. It's bigger than that. Humanity is bigger than that. And I think we can all make it better together. This has been Virtual Legality for today. If you enjoyed this episode, thank you so much for stopping in and checking in with us. We talk about these kinds of things all the time. We talked about the video uh, that we did last week about this, Games Journalism, Clicks and Conformity. Yesterday, we did a video about Xbox's really interesting smart delivery system, which is going to allow you to buy games on one system in their Xbox ecosystem and have it operate on all other Xboxes, or at least the ones that are currently contemplated, so that you can buy something in the current generation and have it operate whenever you decide to transition into the next generation. A lot of interesting things to discuss there. Really fascinating model that Xbox and Microsoft is pursuing. If you're interested in those kinds of things, click on that video, check it out. Otherwise, share it with your friends. Tell people we are out here. We are having a lot of good conversations. We feel we get better with really every episode of Virtual Legality, and we would love to have these conversations even more in-depthly in the comments to these videos. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it in its podcast form, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.